Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour with Ryan, where we talk sports. I have a very special guest back in the building, my man Brian Cullen. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate you welcoming me back. I, I guess that means I didn't do too bad last time. Yeah, man. Uh, you're one of the best in the business, man. I, I just love your tweets and your 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 posts, man, and just your whole network with the Clipperholics. You know, Brian works with the Ballers Left and, and the Clipperholics Networks. He's just one of the most insightful, just intuitive guys on social media. Uh, just, yeah, so I, I appreciate you coming back on. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Man, the NBA, you know, they're in full swing, going a month strong in. Um, top teams, you know, going into each team's a little bit of dialogue with the whole pandemic, teams getting games canceled and whatnot. Um, what are your impressions so far of the season, how it's been made out so far? You know, it's funny. We we just hit the quarter mark, right, of the season for for most of these teams. And for me, it really feels like in a lot of ways the season started like two weeks ago. Because there was no like true training camp for any of these teams, let alone, you know, even before training camp, most teams after free agency, these guys are together here in LA in different gyms getting runs there's always the the pickup runs that they have uh, at ucla all summer long uh you know these guys are, are going to each other's houses and playing that didn't exist and so even before training camp there's some you know kind of chemistry being built in terms of like on court guys you know knowing where they like to get passes like to know where other guys are like shots are all that stuff they didn't really get that and so they had this mini training camp and then you know a mini preseason that the first like couple weeks of the season was essentially preseason basketball. Um, you know, we saw all of those like 20 point games, 20 point leads. Like it was something like, I think the, through the first two or three weeks of the, of the year, half the games were decided by 20 points or more. And so there were just these blowouts and these really uneven games and good teams, beating bad teams or sorry, bad teams beating good teams and, you know, all this stuff. And, and it really starts to feel like it's starting to level out. It's not quite there yet, but, and, you know, with, with games being postponed and all this, it's, it's setting it back slightly, but I think we're starting to see some of the front runners kind of break from the pack a bit. And, and it's starting to feel like we can kind of get a, a good gauge on, on who's who and, and what's what in the league. Teams are jockeying for a position, Brian. Yeah, I definitely agree. You can see the the cream rising to the top. With the West starting out, let's just go with the Lakers. I just feel right now as the top five teams in each conference, I would say the Lakers are right there the best. LeBron's been playing some incredible basketball. I mean, he he had a great homecoming back in Cleveland uh, this past um, Monday. 
and he just looks good. The Lakers look good. AD is looking good. I, I got them right now as the number one ranked team in the West with the Clippers right at two. I have Utah, which is probably the hottest team in the NBA. They've won nine straight at three. Denver, I, I they're right there as always. Four straight wins for them. Joker just playing unbelievable. They got Michael Porter uh, back. Uh, they're looking good. Our buddy Jamichael Green's over there coming off the bench, giving them solid numbers. And it's kind of hard with the fifth spot as far as our top five teams <laughs> in the West. It's yeah. it's kind of a, a, a team's like kind of muddling in there because. You know, we thought Portland was kind of getting there, you know, where they're starting to peak and then McCullough gets hurt. Uh, Jokic got, not Jokic, uh, Nurkic got hurt, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's not the, the full roster that they, they have their complement of players with. So I think they might falter a bit. And I like Dallas. I think Luka's playing unbelievable basketball. I mean, this kid is just amazing. I can't speak enough about how, how much of a great player he is. And then Houston, I, I really love their, their resurgence. Their whole team seems to be coming together. They got the trade that they just acquired uh, Victor Oladipo. Uh, Cousins seems to be getting some time. They'll be getting Christian Wood back in about two weeks or so. And then, uh, yeah, at Memphis, you know, they got our boy John Morant back. Uh, I love quickly. John. Huge job. Surpri- su- surprisingly, did, were you surprised how quickly he came back from his injury? No, he's like 19 years old. That's how you bounce back at that age. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's back with them and they've won five straight. Um, those are my five uh, top teams as far as uh, my rankings. What do you think as far as your top teams to West? Are you right with me? Yeah, I'm just about there. The Lakers are terrifying. I'll be honest. I, I like I think the Lakers are, you know, rightfully so the favorites. They should be the front runners this year to to go back to back. Um you know, you're talking about how good LeBron has been and like AD hasn't even been that great this season so far. And what we're watching is, you know, the Lakers and the and Miami, they both got seven weeks off. That was their offseason before they went into training camp between the last game of the finals and training camp was seven weeks, which is the shortest offseason anybody's ever dealt with. And we're watching the Lakers not try right now. And that's the terrifying part is that they're 14 and four, and they're not even giving it full effort. If you watch these Lakers games, they're playing just hard enough to be within striking distance through three quarters, and then they turn it on in the fourth quarter and put teams away. And they've got the best point differential in the league. Uh, I think they have the second best, or, or they might have the best. Let me pull it up here. Defensive rating. Yeah, they're number one in defensive rating right now. Um, they're holding teams to 103.9 per 100 possessions. It's, and this is a team that's not trying and got rid of their rim protectors. You know what I mean? So like this is, they're scary. They're very scary. I, I, you know, I, a lot of people I know in the Clippers sphere aren't as high on the Lakers. Um, I think it's, it's ridiculous to not be taking this team seriously. Um, I, I don't know what else LeBron has to do to strike fear in the heart of opponents, but he's done it all in my book. And so, uh, yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers are right there. Uh, I do think that the, the Clippers are, are, behind them i think there might be a bit of a drop off right now um maybe an effort i don't know there have been some weird kind of clippers games so far this season where they've they've blown some leads and and you know again like i was saying at the top there it it, it's tough because teams are still figuring it out and we're still seeing you know i i've said this on clip set a couple times but we're the 
it's difficult with the Clippers because you're watching a second year team make first year mistakes because they didn't go through all the motions last year. Um, but I think they're right there. The defense has been a bit of a worry and, and, and I think they need to tighten that up more before I really, really start to put them confidently towards the top, you know, like, like in terms of being neck and neck with the Lakers. Um, they're, I think they're 14th in the league right now um, in defensive rating, which came up from like 28th to start the season. So they're making improvements. Uh, the the trio of that are out right now for them in Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, and, and Paul George have the best uh, defensive rating of any three starters in the league. Um, I think they're holding teams to like 96 points per 100 possessions, which is absurd. It's just suffocating. Um Serge Ibaka was a great pickup for them. They're there. It, they're going to slip, though, in the standings on this road trip uh, with those three guys out right now. And it sounds like there's a very good chance they're not going to join the team at all on this uh, current road trip, which is going to hurt the, the Clippers. Um, and the Jazz have been great. The Jazz have been really, really good. Like, this is kind of a bit of a, a resurgence here for Mike Conley. Um, his shooting yeah. looks solid, he's playing great defense. Um, his help defense has been amazing. I've been really, really impressed from what I've seen there. You know, I think Rudy Gobert is um, at the top of a short list right now for players uh, in the defensive player of the year conversation. Um, I, and, you know, I, Jordan Clarkson has been quite the surprise. I've never been a guy that fully believed in Jordan Clarkson, and he has found a role with the Jazz, and he looks really good getting buckets for them off the bench. I, I like what they're doing there. Um and then there's a drop-off. I think that there's a, a, a decent drop-off from those three teams when we're looking at the West. The Denver Nuggets, I think, are going to get better. Um, I'm not the biggest Michael Porter Jr. guy just because of, of what he gives up on the defensive end, but obviously the guy can score. He's really good at it, can score from multiple places on the floor. Um, you know, I think Jokic is a perennial MVP candidate. He's that good, uh, you know. Maybe the second best passing big guy I've ever seen play basketball, second to Arvita Sabonis. Um, I really like the team that they have. Uh, and then, you know, the Trailblazers are currently in the fifth spot. I don't believe in the Trailblazers. Uh, I really, I'm a big Dame fan, but I just, I haven't seen enough to fully believe in what they've got going. And, and if we're, you know, you, you brought up the injuries. CJ McCollum going down is huge. He's been carrying that team to start this yes. season. He's been the better guard on that team in the beginning of this season. So I think that's going to hurt them a lot. You know, I, I'm not as high on the Suns as people were coming into the season, but if we're looking at those two teams, I'm higher on the Suns than I am on the Blazers right now, just from a purely a, a talent standpoint, right? Like I, Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen play. Devin Booker is an amazing, just pure scorer. You know, I really like DeAndre Ayton. I'm, you know, I, I think that him and Chris Paul are still working on their chemistry, but that's that's a scary pick and roll to go against. Um, yes. And 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 they've got some some really nice complementary pieces around those three guys. So, I would probably slide the Suns into my fifth spot. Now, if Golden State starts to really turn things around, um, obviously missing Clay is is really tough for them, but. You know, if if Kelly Oubre starts to make a couple of his threes, he's been awful from distance this year. But if he starts to get to at least a league average from three, it could turn things around from them. I think the biggest question mark right now with the Warriors is Andrew Wiggins, because he's been really good to start the season. 
he's done that before. You know, I, I, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before where he started out red hot, looked amazing for Minnesota and then fell off a cliff. So, um, you know, it's, it, I need a bit more time with a couple of these teams to, to fully gauge where they're at. And, you know, like you brought up Dallas, like Luka Doncic is unbelievably gifted. He's so good. And they just got Porzingis back and they're starting to, to piece it together. Um, right. You know, I, I still think that they've got another step to take. Uh, I, I like Dallas a lot. And Houston is fun to watch again for the first time because they're not just pounding the ball for, you know, 23 seconds and then shooting a, a contested step back three at the end of the shot clock anymore. They're they're a little more fun to watch, but um, I they're not a team that scares me in the playoffs whatsoever, uh, which is why I would I would probably leave them out of my top five. And Brian, you know, I like Houston a lot, man. I love what John Wall's doing. He seems to be back to not quite what he was, but I don't know if you saw any of the, the highlights from the game uh, the other night against the, the Wizards and Westbrook's return to Houston, but he, he really let the Wizards have it and reminded them, you guys shouldn't have let me go. He looked really good. And Victor Oladipo and him in the backcourt seems like a pretty decent tandem. Now it's early, you know, so we got to see what happens. I think Christian Wood and Cousins and, you know, those guys like that are, are going to have to be consistently good for them to be um, a playoff team. I think they're they're going to be battling with Dallas, Memphis, all those other teams, at the, at the, along with Denver for right. those last four spots, like you mentioned, with Phoenix and Golden State. Now, the teams that are interesting, like San Antonio, they have some, you know, pop, you know, obviously one of the best coaches in the, around the league. Um, so, I mean, he's going to have those guys scrapping too. So, it's it's a real tight race as usual in the West. So, I think it's pretty much right along those lines, which you mentioned with Phoenix, Denver. I like Michael Porter Jr. though, and then uh, our boy uh, Jamichael Green. I think is a solid guy for them off the bench. Yeah, J. Mike is great. J. Mike is great. Um, you know, Barton, all those guys they got just good key guys, man. Uh, and they, they don't they don't even play uh, Manu Bull's son, is it? Uh, Bobo. Bobo. Yeah. Yeah, I think he has talent, man. You know, for some reason he can't get in the get in the, get in the game. I yeah, Bobo has has a nice skill bag. I just think that what worries people is it looks like a stiff breeze would blow him over. I think he needs a little more weight before we can trust him to go up against some of these guys in the post. Yeah, yeah, and how much better is Dallas with Porzingis being back? I mean, he's obviously had a lot of health issues. Can he stay healthy and make Dallas a contender? Uh, is Hardaway ever going to take the next step in his career? No, I think we've seen what we're going to see out of Hardaway. Um, I think Hardaway is, is, you know, a J.R. Smith kind of prototype where he can hit some big shots um, and and he can help stretch the floor. But I don't think that there's another step for Hardaway. Porzingis, the health thing is is the biggest question, right? Um, so who knows? I am very high on, on what Porzingis is capable of doing. I think that he's got a high ceiling, but with the injury history, he does have a bit of a lower floor than you would want him to have. And then to your point about the Rockets, I mean, are we talking about you like the Rockets as you think they're a really good team or they're fun to watch? Because I'll give you that they can be fun to watch. I mean, if we're going to talk about the the win over the Wizards, I mean, we're kind of celebrating a low bar here. They're the third worst defense in the league. The Wizards have been awful. Like Brad, Bradley Beal, I feel so bad for Bradley Beal. Um, you know, I don't have as much pity for Russell Westbrook, but um, 
I just I feel like I could probably put up 20 on the on the Wizards at this point. They're just they can't defend anything. Wow. <laughs> they are bad. But just uh, what I meant by the victory over the Wizards, not so much the the foe in the Wizards. There was a lot of tension because there's so many when you play against your ex team, you know, a lot yeah. of, you know, a lot of juices get to flowing, man. The guys want to win and show that they'll franchise what they had, but just the overall team, I think they have some 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 weapons there. Like Eric Gordon, I always thought he was one of the best guys off the bench. I think he's a very good player. And I also, um, you know, Ben McLemore, he's a decent player. House Tucker seems to have fallen off. I don't know what has happened to Tucker. Yeah, PJ just seems to be <laughs> his foot is out the door. But Christian Wood, I really like. Cousins, I like. Wall, I like. And Victor Oladipo, I think, is you know just a good to great player kind of muddling in the middle yeah. but we'll see if if uh the coach can get him over it's it's uh get this unit to to believe in him and his system you know and, and the whole staff has to do a good job lucas and the whole crew but i think well, they, they just started right like you yeah. have to kind of start the clock over for them now that now now that, that james harden is gone. yeah yeah because there was a lot of talk with Harden not being a team guy and him kind of complaining and throwing balls at teammates and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> that definitely doesn't help the team camaraderie. Now, Brian, let's talk about this incident the other night. The game on TNT. Halftime show, Shaq made a statement saying that he didn't think Donovan Mitchell had what it takes to be a superstar. And after the game, he reiterated those thoughts to Donovan Mitchell himself. How did you feel about that? And do you take that statement seriously about Donovan Mitchell? Can Spider be a superstar in this league? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the whole incident was so disrespectful. I don't I don't care who you are. I don't, you know what I mean? Like like Shaq, like what, what are we doing here? And I'm I'm a big Shaq fan. I love I loved watching Shaq play uh, you know, in his prime, but I just I, I don't get what that accomplishes, but it also it's exactly what major media is now around sports, right? There, there's a reason why people like us probably are more drawn towards a medium like podcasting or something like that, because there's, there's a bit more nuance. We can explore ideas a little more. We can open up and, and really kind of look at it. Uh, whereas like TV and, and big media, it's, it's all about just this quick, everybody needs a knee jerk, like, you know, Stephen A, I will I will give Stephen A his flowers all day long because he was a true real reporter in Philadelphia for decades before he became the like WWF personality that he is now on TV. But right. you know, like you look at Kendrick Perkins, like he's he's constantly just saying these really big hyperbolic statements for clicks. And that's that's all it felt like a clickbait moment to me when Shaq did that. Um you know, in terms of of Donovan Mitchell, I mean, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't be considered as you know a superstar right now. Like what he did in the playoffs last year, you know, yes, he was bounced in the first round, but he looked amazing in that series. Like I, I think that he's a super capable player, and it's funny how we like choose who is judged on what stuff, right? So like one of my biggest things, and and. I'm not completely changing the subject, but just because this is more in my realm is, is the, the narrative around Paul George, right? He's become this meme. Everybody loves to joke about him. He's the, the whole story is that he's this playoff choker and all this stuff. While at the same time, Damian Lillard, who's one of my favorite players, 
has completely avoided that narrative. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard, because he's had two really impressive playoff shots, like series ending shots, he gets away with a lot more because outside of those two moments, they, they basically accidentally got to a conference finals one time. Um, and then Paul George went toe to toe with LeBron in the conference finals twice when he was super young, you know what I mean? And, and so we, we let some of these players get away with this. There are a ton of players in the league right now who haven't gotten to the conference finals, but we pick and choose who we're going to judge that on. And I feel like, unfortunately, Donovan Mitchell got thrown into that kind of same area. Now look at his team right now. His team is number two in the West currently, right? And this is changing every night. If we look at it at the league, they're number two in the league. He's really, and he, you know, arguably is the best player on the jazz. So yeah, he is a superstar. Give him his flowers. I think it's crazy to, to try to take anything away from him. The team is amazing defensively. They're figuring out their offense. They're not, you know, mind blowing on offense, but the jazz have never been, they love to play a slow game. They're, they're one of the slowest paced teams in the last few years, but they still have a positive point differential. What they're doing is winning. They're nine and one of the last 10 games. They've won nine in a row. Like Donovan Mitchell has been amazing. I think he's hit his next level. Yeah. I, I I was really shocked, Brian, you know, by that whole, just, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing that, but like you said, this day and age, everything is kind of focused on social media, clickbait, mm-hmm. downloads. And I, that's the first thing I thought of was TNT's doing everything they can for ratings and to make, you know, the clicks on their, their posts for social media just to be a relevant story. You know, the, the whole first take, the whole undisputed, you know, first things first. They want those the leading story. So I think that's the reason it seemed, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I saw it. I said, they're trying to make their, themselves the story. And they, he was the, the you know, the victim of that, you know, and it, it just was, it was kind of sad to see. I was, I was really kind of just taken back by the whole thing. Cause I agree with you. I think Donovan Mitchell is, is, is a stud, man. He, yeah. his performance with Murray, that performance when Denver played Utah, I mean, that was just a heavyweight battle. Yeah. That was like, who I mean, is not enjoying watching that happen? Right. I mean, they, he, they, he came to play. You know, and then they made a very good point with how the media will kind of crucify certain guys and then put certain guys, get a pass or put them on a pedestal, you know, just because of their relationship within the media, maybe. And some guys just kind of get more passes and some guys get more chastised than others. It's just the way it works. Magic was beloved. Kareem wasn't. It's just that's how sometimes the media has this darling. So I think that's a big part of it. I think Paul George has kind of always gave, I wouldn't say bad quotes to the media, but kind of smug remarks and things like that. And I think that he makes himself out there. He makes some unnecessary comments to me. And, and that he just who he is, yeah. you know. But he, he is a great player. I think I think this year the Clippers as, as, a, as a team, and he will be the main catalyst for the Clippers leading them into – Hopefully a championship. I think this year's Clippers team is just peaking at the right time. And that staff with Lou, Phillips, Larry Drew, Dan Craig, they got these guys playing at an elite level that I have never seen. And like you said, they've had some weird games, you know, 
uh, uh, you know, the Dallas game comes what to Dallas mind. Game? Where they I don't know just, what you're talking about. <laughs> they, they just totally just <laughs> fell asleep. You know, I don't know what would happen, but they can turn it on and turn it off at any time, basically. They're kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type personality. But I think Kawhi and all those guys now are, are really starting to get to that point. It's unfortunate they got this whole uh, protocol suspension. So I, I, I was taking back. You said they're not going to be able to play against Miami or any of the games on a road trip. Uh, well, they're, they haven't completely ruled them out for the entire road trip. But uh, last night, I think it was I, – I, it might have been Zubats or, or Lou Williams. One of them said to us, uh, you know, like – we were told they may or may not join us. So it, it seems like nobody oh, nobody really knows. I would bet not if I'm, you know, just looking at how the contact tracing has gone so far in the league, it's it's held guys out for a while. So um yeah, I, I would I would count against them playing. Yeah. So we'll see. That'll be a good game for the Clippers, but the Clippers are a solid team and along with Utah and Donovan Mitchell. I think Quinn is doing a great job with those guys. Rudy Gobert. It's just weird, Brian, because when you, when you think of Utah, you don't, they don't really strike that fear into you, even though you know they're a oh, good no, team. They scare me. We need, we, we need to talk about Royce O'Neal. <laughs> you know, Royce O'Neal a little bit because Royce O'Neal has been amazing. Dude, he can guard one through four comfortably. He looks amazing. Yeah, true, true. And uh, their whole team, I mean, like you mentioned with Clarkson, he has the role that he is playing phenomenal off the bench for them. I mean, he's really. And they got Ingles and guys like um, um, Bogdanovich. They're just just solid basketball players. Favors is a nice big, and they, they just have a solid rotation. Mike Conley just just good basketball players. Now, the thing with them is, is they're such a good defensive team. It's just when you play them at home, they're so different from the road. Yeah. You know that's the thing. When you go to Utah, you always know it's going to be a dog fight. So I well, just, and one, you know, one thing we'll we need to remember, everybody, like when we talk about Denver, everybody talks about the home court advantage in Denver because of elevation and how tough that is for guys. The air is thinner. It's harder to breathe. Utah has the same type of elevation. If you've ever been to Salt Lake City, that is a the air is very thin up there. Um, people don't think of Salt Lake as an elevated city, but it is. And so that same type of home court advantage it exists in in for Utah, and, and it's funny that it's always been funny to me that people don't talk about that as much. But yeah, Utah, it's you go walking for a couple blocks in Salt Lake City, and you'll be out of breath pretty quick. Yeah, they've they've won nine straight. Uh, they're playing the, the best basketball in the league right now, next to the uh, the Clippers or the Lakers. The Clippers, Lakers, both. The all three of those teams are right there. Now shifting gears a bit, Brian, yeah. in the East, uh, it's 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 kind of funny with the East, but. Philly's won six out of the last four. Boston's won seven out of the last three. Jalen Brown's playing incredible, mm. by the way. But Milwaukee's won seven out of the last ten. They lost to the Lakers last week. Brooklyn's getting back now that they got Harden in the big three, but they lost two to Cleveland. So that kind of left people scratching their head. Indy had a West Coast road trip that didn't go too well. They're five and five in their last ten. Atlanta's been up and down. Cleveland's right in there. Um that's pretty much my top five in the East. I still got Philly one, Boston two, Milwaukee three, Brooklyn four, and Indy five. You see any difference in in the top teams in your opinion in the league? Is that your East? power rankings, like in in order? Yeah, in order. Interesting. For the interesting. Um, I have the Nets higher. Uh, I I would probably put the Nets at one or two. Um, you know. It, 
This always happens when these like new kind of like super teams get built. Remember what Miami looked like when LeBron first went there? People were like, ooh, I don't know. This team doesn't look that good. And then they figured out and they were terrifying. I think we're going to deal with the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. And I just got to say, I missed watching Kevin Durant play basketball. He has been phenomenal this year. I like he, he's he's got to be in the MVP conversation, top five. He's so good. Um, they're still putting it together. What what really scares me about Brooklyn is they still have money to play with. I think they they have like something like ten million dollars, especially if they get this. Uh, if if they which they should get the injured player exception because of Spencer Dinwiddie, and they've got roster spots. So there were team, you know, like I think both LA teams were kind of looking to be players on the buyout market this year, like who maybe fill out the the you know build out the roster a little more through the buyout market, see who's available. Well, Brooklyn's got a big three now. And some of these older vets that might get bought out or something like that, that's going to look a little more enticing to them. Also, because they might be able to get paid more than a, a, a vet minimum, This is, which is what the two LA teams can offer them. So I actually think Brooklyn's going to get better. Uh, just give them some time. Wait till we get to the buyout market. Uh, I think that they're going to pick up some teams that'll really kind of bolster them a little bit, especially in the front court, because DeAndre Jordan isn't what he used to be. And they they need a, a reliable backup five. But I really like Brooklyn. Philly's right there. You know, this is this is probably the best Philly's ever looked, the most I've ever actually kind of believed in Philly. Um They've got two defensive player of the year candidates. They've got an MVP candidate. They've got the six man of the year candidate for me and shake Milton. Uh, you know, Seth Curry is really helping out with stretching the floor. Like I, yeah, Philly, Philly's right there. Um, Milwaukee. I mean, it's hard to, to bet against the, the reigning two time MVP defensive player of the year in, in Giannis. And, and I really like the addition of drew holiday, I just don't know if I trust Coach Bud. And that's kind of my worry with Philly is I've seen what Doc Rivers looks like in the playoffs, and neither of those guys like to make a lot of adjustments in the playoffs. They they kind of play under this assumption that everybody else is going to have to adjust to them, and smarter coaches have taken advantage of that. And so my that's my biggest concern with them. Milwaukee, you know, they're getting good production out of their guys. DiVincenzo is, is playing well. I think, uh, uh, you know, the uh why can't i think brooks um lopez thank you you know he's not what he used to be but he's he's still filling his role okay like they pat Connaughton has been hitting some nice shots like they they've got good role players um boston i really like you mentioned jalen brown who is probably one of my top five players in the league on multiple levels i like the way he plays i like who he is as a person um, I, 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 I'm high on the Boston Celtics. Um, I like them a lot. Again, I still think that they're, they're working on it and, and, you know, him, Brown and, and Tatum haven't played too much together so far this year. So I, I can't wait to see right. them really kind of click together and, and be a unit on the floor because those two guys are amazing. And then I, that brings me to what four I've got the Pacers. I've got the Pacers at five, you know, if, and and we just actually credit to James Harden for for forcing this whole trade situation because it might have saved it might have saved uh, Karis Levert's life because he got traded in that whole yeah. situation and he had to go through 
uh, a physical and that's when they found a uh, lump on his kidney which he just had removed um he's out indefinitely they're not sure if he's going to play this season if he does i'm much higher on the pacers but um without that physical i don't think anybody would have noticed that lump and and that's a potential life-saving surgery that he just had so that's a really crazy situation uh, that i feel like a lot of people aren't talking about right now um but yeah i mean literally a trade saved the dude's life um but i love indiana you know i think mcdermott is is really good for them in moments uh even uh even holiday has been good for them and demonis sabonis has been unbelievable this year like he might be in the most improved conversation that's how good he's been um he's doing everything his passing his rebounding his scoring he's he took another step this year and he just looks like such a beast right now yeah he is a stud man so bonus, I don't know what he doesn't get the 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 ple- like the press. I don't know they don't give him because he love. plays in Indiana. I, we're talking about earlier. Yeah, is that what it is? I mean, his dad was a you know Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest players overseas ever. So I mean, it, you would think he would get a lot of media attention, but maybe it is Indiana and they're, they're not a large you know. I think it's that, team, and then his dad, his dad didn't play. play long enough to have the all of the NBA highlights, you know, for people to watch on YouTube. Like, I don't think kids are watching Arvita Sabonis, uh, you know, Soviet Union highlights at home. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's crazy, but good point. I mean, but you mentioned, you know, it's he's great. I mean, but we were talking about Jalen Brown. He'll get, if he, most improved, he went from 20 games. He averaged 20 points a game last year. This year he's averaging 27. Yeah. That's a major jump in Jalen Brown's career. I, I think he will get uh, unbelievable, man. This guy is just taking a ginormous step in his career. Again, it's early, but I mean, last weekend he had 33 points in 19 minutes. Um, that's yeah, that's, never un- that's unreal. Unreal. I was like, wow, man, this this dude is really stepping up, man. And uh, him and Tatum, like you said, have not really... Uh, you know, jailed yet. So it, it's scary with to see what they can become as a, as a unit. Um, they're right there. Um, and and again, Brian, this is kind of just right now. And I, I I do like Brooklyn a lot. I think that they are really a good team, potentially dominating. Kyrie Irving, I just this guy. I don't know where his head is at at times. He's really kind of the the X factor in this whole you know triple. Mm-hmm threat you know is is he going to be all in all year what do you make of Kyrie and his some of his statements to the media of him kind of being mentally out of I mean I'm a huge Kyrie fan I love Kyrie um I I can't really sit here in judgment of him um it's it's yeah it's just such a, a a crazy time right now with the pandemic and and everything else going on um right you know I I think Kyrie is is treated a bit unfairly uh, by the media, um, I think it's 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 basically happened because, and, and I'm a LeBron fan, right? I think LeBron's probably the greatest basketball player that's ever played, um, but he actively chose to walk away from LeBron, and LeBron is is kind of this, you know, exalted figure, this altar in the basketball world, and it's unheard of to turn your back on it, and he did that, and I think ever since that happened, and and you know. 
LeBron is part of the big media machine, right? Like he's he is your money maker, and to have a player say I don't want to be a part of that um, is is pretty unheard of, and I think that he's been treated pretty unfairly since that happened. And you know, I I just I I can't imagine what what it's like. Like I I align with a lot of the stuff that that Kyrie says. You know, I I I hope one day somebody like Kyrie says, you know, hey. We're the we're the labor here. We're the product. We can start our own league and and do something different and and make it you know go fully player empowered um, and take the power away from you know these billionaire owners and and put the power back in their own hands. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. But I, I when Ty, when Kyrie playing, he he mentioned that before, Brian didn't he? Did that, not to cut you off, but didn't Kyrie speak on that uh, during the? Off season that he wants something sort of sort of a basketball association for like the it's like a union for yeah, players yeah. only he's, league. He's kind of mentioned that. I love that idea. Um and if there's anybody in the league that would I think back him up on that, it would be Jalen Brown. But um yeah, I mm. you know, I it, it's a good question. I'm not sure. Um I don't think that it's fair to sit in full judgment of him for it, whatever, wherever he lands on it. Um, but when Kyrie's locked in, he's amazing. You know, he, I, I do think that he's going to have to learn to let go of the ball a, a little more and, and play off the ball a bit. But I also think James Harden is more than capable of playing off the ball a little more too. Um, and, you know, I think once Nash kind of figures out what his full roster is, we're going to see them all kind of being spread out a bit, uh, specifically, uh, Kyrie and and Harden. I think that they'll start games together. I think that they'll close games together. But I think in between those two areas, you're going to see them not sharing the floor as much and spending more time with with other imaginations. Now, Brian, man, it's it's been crazy the transition. You see it in waves with the the, the way the league plays. In the last two weeks, man, it's been really a lot of bigs playing phenomenal. Embiid, 33 points, 14 rebounds. Cousins, 28, 17 rebounds. Bam Adebayo, 41 points, 9 assists. AD, 37 points in 28 minutes. Jokic doing his thing as always. Triple doubles out the door. Is the league transitioning, you think, from small ball to bully ball? Is it going back to those Shaq days, or you think it's kind of one of those things i don't think it's see? bully ball i've been i've been pounding this drum for like the last six years because it went from this dominant wings league to kind of a point guard league right it went like you were saying it went really small steph curry take took over um you know that there was it, it just really felt like it was a, a guard kind of driven league for a little bit there and and so i think that we're moving towards the skilled big era um, I do think that it's going more big, but it's not this like bully ball dominant inside. I think that that's a part of it, but I think the other part of it is these big guys that can pass these big guys that can stretch the floor a little bit. You know what I mean? I, th I think that's kind of the future. Like I, I think that's where it's heading. You know, we look at, at someone like Jokic and, and I look at Jokic and I'm like, oh, that's that's it. It's the point center is the future of this league. Uh, everybody wants the skilled big. Uh, when you look at a lot of these, you know, uh, look at look at some of the, the draft reports um, in the offseason. And, and it's always seven footers that can shoot that are that are, are really getting circled and looked at. So I do think that that is the future. Yeah, it's it seems to be in transition. I mean, the whole Golden State dynasty, I think, changed the league 
And now, I mean, Shaq, you know, he always says he was the last big man to get MVP. I don't know who will be the next one to do that. And I think it's what you mentioned, where it's kind of a point big. The passing big man seems to be where it's at now, like a Jokic, like an AD, um, Bam. All those guys are pretty much what teams are doing, where they have the big man kind of out on the on the wing. I think it's it's right now that's where it's at. It's not really an identity right now, but I think it is transitioning where it just depends, uh, you know, how this works with uh, with Brooklyn and other teams like Atlanta. I think uh, also I forgot to mention Clint Capella yeah. is playing incredible. Atlanta, he looks really good. He's he's playing some really good basketball. Um, now, one thing, Brian, uh, there's been a lot of rumors lately. I just want to get your take as far as there's a lot of rumors with the Clippers going after Derrick Rose, JJ Redick, Lonzo Ball being traded for Kelly Oubre. Um, anything you're hearing as far as any trades uh, when the trade trade line comes around? Um, no, the Derrick Rose thing makes me laugh because he's been it, this. Ha- this has happened several years in a row now. Um, at this point, it a thousand percent feels like his agent is tying him to the Clippers. Um, if you look at the way the roster is built, what does Derrick Rose bring to the Clippers that they don't currently have? Do they really want a guard that can't shoot that well outside? You know what I mean? This, this team has really kind of prioritized three-point shooting. Um, I just don't see what he would bring that they don't already have. I, I, I don't see what the upgrade is. I think that... Now, would you, would you no, trade Lou no, for, for Derrick Rose? I'll tell you who I would trade Lou for. Um, and that would be George Hill. I think that George Hill uh, mm, can hold his own on defense. He's capable of scoring the ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. He can get guys in their spots. You know, if if the true hole on the Clippers is a playmaker, um, and and like I said, my concern is is some of the defense. I think George Hill is the perfect fit there. Um, the big question is what does Oklahoma want for George Hill? Uh, and they've already got every draft pick that the, the Clippers could ever hope to give away. So I don't know what they would throw in to sweeten that deal, but um, you know, I think that works. We talked about PJ Tucker. I think that he's going to be a big target. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the best corner three shooters in the league. I think some of it is an effort thing. Like you were saying, I, I do think that he's a bit checked out right now. I'm not sure. You know, there were reports that he was pretty unhappy with his current, um, no, not his current role, but his his current contract. So he signed a really team-friendly contract, and then he looked around the league and saw guys with his same skill set getting twice as much as he got. And I think he feels like he got a bit shortchanged by the... uh, by the team there you know the the new guys are fitting in really well christian wood i think is is in the running for most improved player uh right there with jeremy grant um but you know i think pj tucker probably wants out it seems like the old guard for the houston rockets um are tired of playing for tillman fertita uh that that sounded like it was a bit of a, a motivator for james harden and i think that pj tucker's probably in that same camp Now, do you see the Clippers making uh, any drastic moves at the trade deadline? Can you see them? Like, there's a lot of rumors Kelly Oubre could go to the Clippers or uh, Drummond from from the – I love Drummond, but, I, I, you know, I wonder what they would want for him, a guy like that that's so impactful. But why trade for a big if Zoo yeah, is Yeah, I don't – Dr- right Drummond, I, it doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons. One, for what you just said. Two – 
they just don't have the cap space to absorb that. Well, like they would have to give up. They would have to give up a lot to match that salary. I, I just don't see that being the case. Um, and then who was the other one you mentioned? Oh, Kelly Oubre. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. He's been bad. There's no other way of putting it. He has not been good this year. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What happened to him, Brian? Man, he was – when he was in Phoenix, I was like, okay, I, this yeah. kid can, has a lot of potential. Now it's like, – I love Kelly Oubre. Like, I, I was super high on him. I, 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 I wanted him to be on the roster in this offseason. Um, you know, and – it I have since been proven why I don't work in an NBA front office because he's been awful. Um, his defense hasn't been good. His three point shooting. I mean, he looks like Russell Westbrook out there when he's on the uh, when he's on the perimeter. Um, I yeah I, I I don't know what what is going on over there. Um, and for in terms of the Clippers, I don't really see them making a big splash at the trade deadline. Although you know this this team loves to be very quiet and then make these sudden moves. Um, so who knows exactly. if I was a, you know, to put money on it, I, I would, I would probably bet that they're going to be a bit more active on the buyout market than anything. I have this, this just came up today, but something makes me think that Patrick Patterson might be getting bought out. Um, he put some tweet online that it, it didn't make any sense. It was like, you know, if you get two weeks free food at, at golden corral and it's day 15 and you and the owner have an agreement, but papers haven't been signed up. Should you eat for free? And I, and I read it and my first reaction was what the hell are we talking about? And then my second thought was, huh. Oh, this guy might be getting bought out. Um, so, you know, I think that happens wow. at trade deadline wise. Like it's not a big, you know, splash, but I would imagine that they might move, uh, cabin Gelly, uh, you know, at the deadline with cash so that a team can cover his buyout. Um, I, I think that the, the, the trade deadline might be more clearing out space so that they could be active on the buyout market. Now, are you surprised with Blake Griffin's downfall? I mean, he's had one 20 point game this season. I'm just shocked as a, you know, a Clippers on my squad. And I, I never have seen Blake Griffin look so, I don't know, un, unenthused. Like, he just, I don't know if he just doesn't care, if it's his knees or if it's just Detroit. But what do you make of this whole downward spiral with Blake? Are yes you, are and you no. I mean, I love Blake Griffin. Um, no, because guys whose games are built off of athleticism rarely age well. Now he has added a bit, you know, a, a little bit of a jumper to his game. Um, and he, he's made it, you know, somewhat reliable. Um, the injuries, I mean, just the way he was jumping early on. I remember like, it's my big thing was Zion Williamson I was watching him and I'm like, I don't, those knees aren't going to take it for very long. You know, um, I also think he's unhappy. I mean, look at the offseason moves. They signed every signing they, they picked was a guy at his position, basically. So, you know, what message is that sending? Like, right. they go and get Jeremy Grant and and offer him this big role, and he's a four. He's essentially a four, just like Blake Grant. And so, you know, I don't, right. I don't know if he necessarily feels super wanted there anymore. I don't, you know, and, and it's right. it can't be fun. You know, playing for a losing team. I don't care what your what your salary is. Yeah, yeah. What's your situation? Salary is. 
And that I think you're right. I think he's not happy in Detroit. Um, I'm just surprised because he just, yeah, he just looks disinterested. And I think you're, what you mentioned, I think it is a big part of it that he's not happy with his role. I don't know if it's, yeah, I believe it's Dwayne Casey coaching him over there, but it, it just seems like he's not, you know, he keeps getting these days of rest. And I'm like, man, he, you know, the game against Miami had more fouls and points. Uh, it just shocks me watching because Blake was a, when he came in at 210 and where it is now. And he probably put the greatest revenge game ever seen when he came back and he did the notorious uh, when Bomber tried to reach out and shake his hand and he kind of jumped. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And he ran straight <laughs> through the tunnel and ignored him. That was crazy. I'll never forget that game. But he played incredible that game when he came back to Staples. I was like, man. But to see it now, I, there was a lot of rumors he was going to get traded to the Wizards. You know, I really would be shocked if they let him go. He had such a huge salary. Just have to see where that goes. The team, I would it it it's weird saying this because of the history there, especially the the you know inner division rivalry. But um, I would th- there's been some links with him and the Warriors, and I kind of love that. I think that that would be a lot of fun if he went and played for the Warriors, you know, because he would have he would have Steph Curry that can stretch the floor for him a little bit. You know, he's got another guy that that can defend really well with Draymond Green there and, and can wow. pass and get him to his spots. Like, I think that would be a lot of fun. Like, I, you know. Yeah, you, you heard that part, part of, on, on a rumor? Or did you see that? That, that, was, that, was, that was an offseason. Uh, oh. that, that was, there was a little rumbling in the offseason that Golden State was, was kind of looking at Blake Griffin. And, you know, I don't know how that works, you know, trade-wise with the salary and all of that. But, um in terms of just like fit, like, yeah, you know, I would die a little bit on the inside seeing Blake Griffin in a Golden State Warriors jersey. But at the same time, man, just I think it would be a, an amazing experience for him. Get him back to California. He he loved California. Um, you know, his brother played for the Golden State Warriors uh, G League team back in the day. Uh, when I lived in the Bay, I would see his brother all the time because um, okay. he played for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, it would, it would get him closer to Los Angeles. Uh, I, I would, you know, I would love to see that happen just for, for Blake. Yeah. Blake is just, a, you know, he's kind of a quirky guy. I love his little YouTube, uh, quirks. He does all these standups, uh, comedy acts and yeah. these, these Uber driver, uh, videos where he acts like a normal guy. He's just, he's a, just a character, but yeah, I would love to see a resurgence. Yeah, he's just one of my favorite players. Um, now, Brian, before I let you go, uh, the NBA world, you know, anniversary of iconic figure of Kobe Bryant, the NBA world, the world in itself lost a huge, 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 ginormous figure in, in the, in the world and not a lot of sports, but, you know, with the other members that were along with them, uh, and that chopper, uh, what were your thoughts of Kobe and what did he mean to you as far as your love of basketball um this is a a very complicated question to answer um in terms of you know the anniversary that just passed that day it's a surreal day It, it doesn't matter what your feelings are on kobe it's it's a horrific way to die and you know it there were families on there um, and, and it was, it was the kids that really got me, um, yeah. when I found out that there were, there were young kids on, on board like that, it, it, that's just devastating. 
um, in terms of, of what Kobe meant is I, I grew up a Kobe hater. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up in LA, a Clippers fan. And so I, I hated Kobe. Um, I, you know, and, and in terms of like legacy, again, it's, it's, it's very complicated and, and I'm not sure I'm the most, you know, qualified person to speak on it because, you know, part of me appreciates what he represented, um, as, you know, a role model for, for young black men in America. Um, you know, seeing somebody become this amazing exalted figure while at the same time he was, you know, credibly accused of rape and, and basically openly admitted to it in court. And so, you know, what that represents to other people and victims that are affected by, by horrific acts like that, you know? And, and so it is this thing. And, and, you know, he did dedicate time after that, you know, that was, that's where the name black mama came from was after that case. Right. And he wanted to reinvent himself and he, he became a big, uh, you know, supporter of women's uh, athletics. And so, you know, he, he did try to put in work there, but I don't think that we can look at his full legacy and sweep certain things under the rug. And so, uh, you know, I think he represents a lot of things to a lot of people and, and it's a really complicated thing, but anytime somebody dies young, it's, it's, it's tragic. Right. And, and it, the, the, I, I've never seen a city affected by somebody's death the way, um, I saw Los Angeles when that happened. I mean, for a week, it it was just it. Even driving on the freeway felt different. It just felt down. Like it there. It just felt like there was a shift. So, um, yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a complicated thing for sure. Yeah, I mean, Kobe. I mean, I give you a lot of respect because you you kept. It, being honest, a lot of people act like they love Kobe when they know they didn't. You know, that's what I, I don't like that when yeah. people try to act like they were such this big Kobe fan when they weren't. And and that's nothing wrong with that. That's just being honest, you know. And I, you know, had a love for Kobe as far as just because to see him come, him and McGrady came out of high school. So you didn't see, during that time, it was very rare to see guys come out of high school and produce. Mm-hmm. And he came into this league and then he tried to get into acting he was on moesha you know he had a shoe with adidas and then he had this afro you know he was just just this kind of just this dude like it was weird but as he grew and you you saw his career grow you know it kind of like you respected his work ethic and that's one thing i always you know really had a lot of respect for just how hard he worked now you mentioned his off the court issues you know, there's so much with that that affected his career and his legacy. A lot of people talk about that, like you mentioned. And you can't just, you know, everybody makes mistakes in life. So I, I take that as if that was something that he did as a young man. When you're young with money, it doesn't make any excuse you have money. But when you're young in general, you make young men make dumb mistakes when it comes to women. And that was a huge, huge, huge. I can't even say how much of a huge mistake. Um, if, if we all don't, we all don't know the whole story with that. There's so many different rumors I've heard, but sure. yeah, it's just one of those things that you, you got to account for as far as, you know, a chapter in his life. Um, but Kobe was just an iconic figure. He, he was beloved. I, I like Kobe for his work ethic, but I, I kind of blamed him for the dynasty that the Lakers could have had being shortened because I felt him and Co- him and Shaq 
could have worked together if he made it work. And I felt like he made it not work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think it was stubborn on both sides. I mean, we were just yeah. talking about Shaq being an asshole at the top of the show. You know what I mean? Like, right. like I don't, I don't. Yeah, so you know, we don't know. Yeah. And, and Phil's book, he talked about that a lot. So it, it, he would come to Phil a lot with things, and it, it just is one of those things. We all got three sides to every story. We don't know what's true and what's not yeah. true, but. Yeah, that's the one thing that rubbed me the wrong way with Kobe. Just his whole uh, relationship with Shaq. I felt like as you do everything you can. That's why I have so much love for LeBron because he makes it work amongst teammates. And that's uh, to me, that's the biggest characteristic of a leader is to, to hold everybody accountable and to make it accountable to, for as you as a leader to keep your, your unit as one. Yeah. So um, with that being said, uh, nevertheless, I think Kobe was... Uh, just one of the greatest players. I think he was just a, a huge iconic figure. And the rest of the people in the chopper and just the kids, it's just a horrific tragedy. It affected me so wholeheartedly. I felt like I, I got socked in the stomach when I, when I saw that that morning. I was like, what? It just was unreal. So it just makes you realize, you know, how important, you know, it, it is to, to cherish every day and, you know, love the ones around you and, and just, you know, be there as much as you can and, and just, you know, love each day that you have kobe was a great man you know he he had a great legacy and, and he will live on you know through, through the lakers and everybody else in the nba world will keep his legacy going along with his family but yeah brian uh uh thank you again for coming on man and uh just let the audience know again where they can support your show and where they can follow and support you well first of all you know just thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. I enjoy these conversations that we get in. Um, always good to hear from you, Ryan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian S. Cullen. Uh, that's C-U-L-L-E-N. Uh, co-host of the Clip Set podcast with Joseph Raya Ward, who is another former Clipperholics writer with me. Uh, and we do a weekly show. Uh, we're both credentialed media for the Clippers and, and we kind of go inside and uh, play, you know, a couple little fun segments that we that we've come up with. Uh, we have a, a reoccurring character now, the Clippers Curse, who comes on and does short interviews with us. Um, and then my other show is uh, Ball Is Left, which I co-host with one of my um, best friends in life, uh, who's an artist and academic, Stephen Lee Clark. And we kind of kind of grab headlines around uh, politics and and sports, and, and we really explore the intersection of, of politics and sports and 